1: For daily source for in-depth business and investing news, we are Business 1440 KYCR Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group.
2: With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Trump is unhappy with Democrats for causing a government shutdown. He says it's their fault.
0: Using tough words, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders issued a midnight statement accusing Democrats of shutting down the government and calling them obstructionist losers, not legislators. She also said the White House will not negotiate with the Democrats on immigration until the end of the shutdown.
2: Speaking on the Senate floor, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the shutdown will affect the military and civilian employees. For America's men and women in uniform, shutting down the government means delayed pay. For the many thousands of civilian employees who support their missions, it means furloughs. In a late-night vote, Senate Democrats joined to block a bill that would have kept the government up and running for another four weeks. This is SRN News.
3: Hello, beautiful. I'm Madison Reed, and my mom named her revolutionary hair color company after me. My mom taught me that women can do anything they set their mind to. Hi, I'm Madison's mom, Amy Arrett. I founded Madison Reed with the idea to create luxurious, ammonia-free, salon-quality, at-home hair color that saves women time and money. In under an hour and for less than $25, Madison Reed delivers gorgeous, multidimensional, shiny hair. I'm proud to say Madison Reed is a female-led company. From our chief marketing officer to our master colorist, we're all women and top experts in our field. Founded in love, we are a hair color company led by women, made for women. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. Use code GRATEFUL. That's code GRATEFUL. Try it. Love it. That's the beauty of Madison Reed. Bingo.
4: Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head? Comb it over? Wear a hat? Just stop. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text STAR11 to 85850. Ask about the Bosley Guarantee. S-T-A-R-11 to 85850.
1: Turn all the lights on. It's the King Banyan Show on On Business 1440.
5: Welcome
6: back, King Banyan Show Business 1440. So got a style that turns me oh, we're we're happy to have with us in the this half hour, just a jam packed show. We've had uh, we've had Ed Glazer and Rob Weber to get you excited for Winter Institute on February 1st and 2nd. And what better thing to follow up for Winter Institute than to have a discussion of Energy and Brutal Winters with Terry Jarrett, our, I would call you now, Terry, our resident energy expert here on the King Banyan Show. This is your your fourth or fifth visit to the show. Terry, good morning and welcome again.
7: Good morning, King. Uh, thank you for the kind words and um, I'm happy to be your energy expert this morning.
6: I, I appreciate that very much. Terry, I... I this is this is kind of cruel of me but uh, my mom lives in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach and I, every morning when I wake up I check my weather and then I check her weather and every time I see that her temperature is below mine I get a little thrill. Um there's been a few of those moments. Uh this winter it's been pretty cold on the east coast. And you have a piece at the Washington Examiner that I'll I'll retweet. I've tweeted it already once at pound kbrs but I'll tweet it again. And it discusses um, how the power grid, particularly on the East Coast, is dealing with this. Um, I could tell you this, Terry. Mom's cold. And how is the energy grid serving her right now?
7: Well, uh, right now, uh, things are, are looking a little bit better than they were, uh, you know, in the first couple of weeks of January. It's, it is starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, and some of the, uh, some of the stress on the grid is, uh, is passing. Uh, but it is still very cold and, uh, you know, when, when demand is high for electricity, especially back in the east, uh, the dominant fuel back in, back there is natural gas to generate electricity. So, uh, the, the problem is that the pipeline infrastructure, uh, has not really caught up with the increase in natural gas and so when we have times of extreme cold for extended periods of time we really see a stress because uh the natural gas prices spike up very high Uh, even if they can get natural gas sometimes they can't even get it because of the pipeline constraints and so you have to rely on other other sources of fuel and so nuclear and coal really have stepped up to the fore uh, back in the northeast and uh, actually coal was the dominant fuel uh those couple of weeks during that extended cold snap.
6: Yeah, Terry, I've been uh charting uh and, and you'll find it uh, pound kbrs are on our Twitter feed. Uh, I've put up charts for heating oil prices. I mean, I'm a native New Englander, so I I mean a lot of what you've written it's like, "Yep, I remember that. Yep, yeah, I remember that." Um, I mean, I I'm from the da- I'm from New England from New Hampshire actually, so I remember the days of, of the battle over getting the Seabrook uh, nuclear plant up and running. Uh, and it does seem like the grid there is, is probably a little aged, and heating oil is still fairly important up in the Northeast. And, and how, is that, how has policy kind of affected our ability to provide heating oil to, to the people that still have homes that use it up there?
7: Well, yeah, you know, New England is is kind of unique in the fact that they have already shut down uh, most or all of their coal plants, uh, so they get virtually no power from coal anymore, and mm-hmm. they rely as a backup. You know, they use natural gas. That you have the nuclear plant there, but you, but they rely on fuel oil in the winter time uh, as a backup fuel if they need if they need it if if uh, you know the plants can't get natural gas. And so what you see is, of course, uh, homes, you know, use it for heating purposes. So it's kind of a dual use. But when you have to burn a lot of it to generate electricity, there's less of it there for people to heat their homes. And the prices begin to spike on the fuel oil, of course, because of the laws of supply and demand. Demand goes up, uh, supply is scarce, prices go up. And they came kind of dangerously close, I think, to to running out of fuel oil to generate electricity. So there were were some times during that cold snap that uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, could could have had a, had blackouts. And so, really, kind of their policies on on shutting down coal plants and uh, relying on fuel oil as the backup, uh, sole really sole backup, really has caused them some problems.
6: Yeah, you can see. I'm looking right now at the uh, price. Uh, for the for the close um, the close uh, futures market price for uh, from the NYMEX for heating oil and from mid December to early January the price rose from about a dollar ninety to almost two ten so almost a ten percent maybe even a little more than ten percent increase at its peak it's sort of leveled off at this higher level over the last week or two but it hasn't fallen and so this is. This is a sign of a market that I think has had some, some stress to it, Terry. Um, Terry, uh, has the decision to stop the coal burners in New England been driven largely by state policy? Have the, or have the electric firms up there chosen to do this voluntarily? What do you see as the causes for the choices they've made in terms of fuel choice?
7: Well, I think it's uh, a combination of factors. I think certainly state policies uh, play a big part in that. Uh, they made the decisions uh, back there to, uh, to uh, decrease carbon emissions. And, uh, and, so, and so they've uh, really kind of been the leaders in the country as far as the shutting down coal plants and doing carbon emissions. They have a carbon market back there in the North e- uh, in the New England area right. between the states as well, that uh, that encourages uh, utilities to, to cut back on carbon. And, uh, you know, it's ironic because uh, when you have to burn a lot more fuel oil to generate electricity during these cold snaps, emissions just go crazy. So they've been emitting a lot of carbon, burning that fuel oil to generate electricity. And as a matter of fact, uh, I read an article, uh, you know, about a week ago that basically said they were getting close to those voluntary caps that they had placed on themselves because of burning so much fuel oil. Wow.
6: Okay. And and then, and then, so I guess that if if we're having all these problems with with uh, oil, we can't want to burn coal. Then what happens with with gas? I mean, obviously, the fracking uh, the, the fracking revolution should have made it easier. For uh, New England plants to get uh, to get natural gas, right? But but is that not true?
7: Well, uh, you're right. I mean, you would think that uh, with the fracking revolution, we have an abundance of natural gas now, uh, and uh, you know we're, we're building more new gas plants to generate electricity because gas is so cheap. It makes sense. The problem in the Northeast is there's been a lot of opposition to new pipelines to get that natural gas to those gas plants up in the Northeast so that they can generate electricity, and so it, it, you know it, it's sort of a delayed uh, reaction here. When you don't have the pipeline infrastructure to get the gas there, we've got plenty of gas; we just can't get it there because of the pipeline infrastructure. Well, wow, that's so. So, so you quote in your
6: article, and this is from the Washington Examiner. We posted it now at Pound KBRS. So, if a listener is is wondering how do I find this information? I sometimes get that question offline. The answer is um, the answer is to go to pound kbrs on Twitter. Just search for that, and you'll see the piece for Terry uh, linked there. I just put it up in the last ten minutes. Um, you actually indicated that uh, that from a report from PGM Markets. So coal in the in the first weekend of 2018 produced 47,000 megawatts of electricity and only 21,000 megawatts created for natural gas, you would think everybody would have an interest in, you know, particularly the environmental folks would be interested in switching that around and having a higher amount produced. And then the wind turbines only produced 3,000 megawatts. Right, you
7: know, and, and, you know, under normal conditions, in the PJM footprint, which is the in the northeast area, it's Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, uh, that, that area there. Okay,
6: mid-Atlantic, uh, sort of the yeah.
7: Mid-Atlantic uh, area, Maryland. Uh, and normally natural gas is the dominant fuel uh, under normal conditions now because they have begun to they, they, – they still have coal plants, but they begin to shut them down, and they don't use them as much as they do natural gas now. So normal conditions. Natural gas is dominant. But as you see here with the cold snap, again, with problems with the price of natural gas uh, and uh, the pipeline infrastructure, you switch it. And now all those coal plants that uh, that weren't being used are now being run at full capacity 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you see coal being the dominant fuel during those times. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's troubling that we, we need to make sure that we have reliable and affordable electricity all the time whether normal conditions or extreme weather conditions. And so when we look at this, we have to say, okay, what should our policy be doing moving forward to make sure that we have reliable and affordable electricity when we most need it, you know, when we have sub zero temperatures. And if we don't have that heat on in, in homes, you know, people's lives could be threatened. Uh, and I think, you know, as I've talked about in the past, uh, you know, a diverse all of the above strategy when it comes to energy policy. We need to make sure we keep coal as an important part, nuclear as an important part, as we continue to build more gas plants because gas is plentiful and we want to use it as well. And also, you know, expand renewables as well. Uh, we want we want all of those because we know we're going to need it. And, and what these uh, instances back in the Northeast show during this extended coal snap is that if you're over-reliant on one type of fuel, you're going to have problems.
6: Right. We're visiting with Terry Jarrett. Terry is an energy expert. He's our energy expert here on the King Banyan Show. Uh, he has served uh, He has served uh, uh, on both the National Association of Regulatory Utility Commissioners and the Missouri Public Service Commission. We'll be back with some more questions for Terry after this. You can join us in as well, 651-289-4477 here on the King Banyan Show on Business
8: 1440.
0: Retiring is easy. Staying retired is the hard part. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike as they'll be discussing nine mistakes that can ruin your retirement. Whether you're planning for retirement or already retired, these mistakes need to be avoided for you to succeed. So make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on Business 1440, or call them today with your questions, 855 231 6010. Call AIG Direct for a free, no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you could save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-981-0472. That's 1-800-981-0472. 1-800-981-0472. Life is expensive. Having a second income now and through retirement will allow you to live life the way you want and avoid being married to your job. In just a few hours a week, you can learn the skills to profit from trading and investing by using our proven rules-based strategy at Online Trading Academy. We focus on low-risk, high-reward trades that mirror the tools Wall Street uses to make that second income so you never outlive your retirement dollars while providing you life's most precious asset, time. Let's get you on a path to financial freedom, allowing you to live the life you've always dreamed of. Call OTA at pound 250 on your cell phone for a free investing workshop or register at learnwithota.com. Again, that's learnwithota.com.
6: Online Trading Academy Radio. If
3: you could cook up the world's greatest radio station, what ingredients would you need? We'd start by mixing in high-quality, free-range wellness experts. Then we'd add in a generous scoop of the topics that matter most to you. Finally, we'd stir in a certified organic website full of helpful resources and garnish with a specialized mobile app. No, it's not some half-baked idea. It's on the air right now. Wellness Radio 1570, online at TwinCitiesWellnessRadio.com.
6: Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440, where your head goes this way and that. And what helps make your head go this way and that is getting some good energy talk from Terry Jarrett, our energy expert here on the King Banyan Show. Terry, welcome back to the show. And it's a very simple question from one of my listeners over Twitter at poundkbrs. What? Why do wind turbines pencil out? I mean, it, it, what you say seems so logical to me. If I, if I want to make sure I have enough energy for a serious cold snap, I don't want to rely on the wind blowing the day I need it. I want to have a pile of coal sitting outside. I know it's dirty. I know I don't want to burn it. But, doggone it, people are cold. I've got to, I got to do what i got to do to make sure that people have energy. So, How is it that wind turbines um, end up being something that uh, energy companies invest in?
7: Well, you know, during normal conditions, uh, if if you have these wind farms located in areas where there's lots of good wind, uh, they can certainly generate electricity uh, very, very cheaply because obviously there's no fuel. They're just using, using the wind. And so there are times when the wind is really blowing really well that wind is, is uh, keeping prices very low. Uh, you're using a lot of it, and uh, it's very good. But, of course, wind is intermittent, and it tends to not blow as much or be as effective when you have these extreme weather conditions like extreme cold or extreme heat. They just don't blow as much during those peak periods. And so when you see, especially back in the in the northeast, you know when it's cold and there's lots of snow and there's ice uh you know these wind turbines just don't operate as effectively as they do under normal conditions, so you you know they're good uh good when they're running, but uh when they're not running, they're not producing electricity
6: and I guess the same question goes for solar doesn't it um i mean i I have a good friend who is a uh, who is basically the our city saint cloud's uh meteorologist and he has this phrase "useless sunshine," where it's 10 below outside and the sun is shining bright. Although obviously being winter, it's fairly low in the sky in the southern sky. So, is the same does the same logic apply for solar?
7: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and especially in, in areas where there's lots of snow and ice and so forth, it's, it can cover these things up. Uh, and as you say, the sun, the angle of the sun, uh, plays a big part in the effectiveness of those solar panels. So uh, that's that's one of the issues with renewables. Again, they're they're great when they're when you have normal conditions and they're generating electricity, but they're not always generating electricity, especially in times when we most need electricity.
6: And and the pushback you get from folks in, you know who support renewables, and and I I, I want to be sure everyone understands. Neither Terry nor I say we. Should Hello. Of the above, Hello. my statement is my statement is all of the above. All of the above means all of the above without, um, without the heavy hand of government leaning in one way or the other. Um. But yet, Terry, I wonder. I sometimes believe that the energy industry is investing in renewables on the promise that there's something regular might be coming down the line that they're not in fact that they're not in fact uh um they're not in fact investing based on what the current prices and the current technology is but on what they see forthcoming and i wonder then what is it they they foresee
7: yeah and and just to echo what you said king i'm i'm uh I'm an all of the above strategy uh fan and have been talking about that for years. We do need uh all of the above including renewables and we're seeing more and more renewables on the grid and uh you know that's a good thing uh when you can get it cheaply and uh the market uh the market indicates that that's the cheapest way and most efficient way to generate the electricity go for it uh but yeah they the technology uh with the wind and solar, I think one of the things that they are focusing on now is uh storage battery storage particularly where they're trying to develop some longer term uh batteries that can that can hold uh you know wind or solar generation uh, for for a longer period of time and then those batteries can be used at, during the times that the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining uh you know the the, the the technology isn't quite there yet they're working on it uh and you're seeing more uh more uh, storage discussions going on in the energy industry about how do we uh, increase this type of storage how do we accommodate it and so that's going to be i think one of the bigger issues that's coming down the pike in the next five years when it comes to renewables
6: right and i uh, and 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 to, to reinforce that point, Terry Jarrett, one of the, you know, I'm very I'm very happy to have a, a an electrical a, a, an energy firm invest in the technol in research and development of that technology. We 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 clearly we clearly want that. What we what we what we might have an issue with is the fact that that throughout the energy industry, and I think Terry, you would agree with me both in the renewable and in non-renewable spaces, there are government programs and government actions that cause a distortion of the prices from what their true free market values would be. And we don't want any of those, right?
7: Oh, oh absolutely. You're exactly right. You know, the, the renewables uh, with the production tax credits uh, uh, from the federal government have distorted the markets for, for a long time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think what we need is a free market system. Let's, let's let all of these sources of fuel for electricity generation compete on a level playing field. And that's the way we get the cheapest and most reliable energy is by doing that. And, uh, you know, the current administration, uh, has been talking a good game so far, and I think they've done some good things when it comes to energy uh, and uh, moving forward we just i think that needs to be the focus is is free markets let's get rid of the subsidies and uh, let uh, let all of these different uh fuel sources for electric generation stand on their own
6: so as you as you think about the the future of um as you think about the future of, of energy policy here, as we move into year two of the Trump administration and, and what appears to be year two of uh, Energy Secretary Perry, uh, what, kinds of, what kinds of policies do you see um, this administration giving us that might lead us toward in that direction uh, of really getting, getting government's hand off the scales in both areas, both in renewable and non-renewable?
7: Right. Well, I, well, what you're seeing now, I think, in the Department of Energy and the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission—that's the federal regulators of the uh, the bulk electric system, uh, which is the uh, the regional grids throughout the United States—they're the regulators for those. They're looking at this grid resiliency issues uh, issue and and the sources of fuel and what it is what is the right policy for making sure that you know we don't willy-nilly really, really close down coal and nuclear plants, that, that because they have a place, and so we're so they're looking at, at those issues. Uh, the EPA, you know, of course repealed the, the Clean Power Plan, Obama's uh, Clean Power Plan, and they are looking at a replacement for that. They're they're soliciting comments from the public and energy experts right now to try to come up with a reasonable. Uh, ruled for the Clean Power Plan. So uh, looking at sort of across across the spectrum of federal government, the policies seem to be, to me, you know, reasonable. We want to make sure we have an all-of-the-above strategy. We want to make sure that we protect our grid and we have reliable and affordable electricity. And really that's always been the goal, I think, uh, when you're talking about regulation of the electric industry. Reliable and affordable electricity you know for too long i think in the past we've been focused on environmental issues and other issues that don't really pertain to providing consumers reliable and affordable electricity and i think that is the focus now and i hope it continues yeah i
6: you used a word that that just resonated with me and that was resiliency uh and and i i go back to a book that uh, was written a few years ago in an entirely different context by uh Nicholas Nassim Taleb uh, called anti-fragile. We need a we need an electrical grid that's not fragile. We need you know, and I think this harsh winter in the east to bring it all the way back to where we started. This harsh winter in the east is is um, exposed some fragility in, in in the in the grid, and those are places where I think that, that need to be addressed. And it just stands to reason, to my mind, Terry, what you're saying is is you should keep every possible source of energy at your disposal so that when you have these harsh moments that you actually do have redundancies, resiliency, and, and to use Taleb's word, anti-fragility.
7: Absolutely. You know, and, and this really kind of started during uh, the uh, 2014, you know, the polar vortex. Yeah. The same thing happened, you know, three, four years ago, and it's happening again. Uh, this year, so we've really had two wake up calls now uh, to warn us uh, what we need to do here as far as keeping that grid resilient, keeping all of our fuel sources in place to generate electricity so that we don't face blackouts during really the worst time you could have a blackout in extreme cold when people need that electricity for heat. Is there any
6: sense, I'll, this is my last question, and I actually was going to let you go, but uh, Narnfan, one of our regular Twitter followers here on the King Banyan Show, just put up a question I have to ask you. Why does no one talk about decentralizing the grid as a way of increasing that redundancy? Is that is, is that a discussion at all, or does it make sense? Or do you need to have a grid that's centralized in order to in order to shift energy to where it's most needed?
7: Right. Well, we have... We don't really have a decentralized grid, but we have regional grids uh, in the United States. We don't have, like, one big grid. We've got northeast. We have New England and the the PJM, uh, which we talked about earlier. In the Midwest, we have the the MISO, the mid-continent system operator. We have the Southwest Power Pool. You have the California grid. Uh, They're interconnected, of course. They're all one, you know, because of interconnections, are, are a big grid. Uh, but you're, but that's a good question. I think there is some talk about you know you talk about microgrids. I think right. is, is one of the things that people are talking about today, where like a city could uh, could have their own generation and, and basically self-supply uh, without without being uh, relying on the grid. Uh, and so I think yeah I think a lot of a uh, lot of uh, counties or cities or, or things like that might. Uh, might look at those microgrids. I think that will be a discussion we're
6: going to have in the future. That's It's fascinating, and I could talk about that for another half hour. But, Terry, thank you so much. I always love having you on, and I hopefully we'll have you on soon, and hopefully uh, hopefully, uh, mom and everybody on the East Coast gets warmer soon. Uh, Terry, Terry Jarrett, uh, thank you so much for being here. We'll talk to you again soon.
7: You bet, King. Glad to be with you again.
6: All right, we'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440.
4: Stuck in an expensive timeshare contract and feel like there's no way out? I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group. I've helped thousands of people get rid of their timeshares.
5: I didn't
2: realize what I was getting into. The whole thing was just a scam. I finally found information on Chuck, and he agreed to meet us. It was just a wonderful experience because uh, he knows that business inside out, and he actually wanted to solve our problem.
4: I fought the largest timeshare company in federal court, and yes, I won. Whether you owe ten to $250,000 on your timeshare, we can cancel your mortgage when you're approved as a client i guarantee you a 100 success rate we'll get you out of your timeshare eliminate your payments and get them off of your back permanently and we proudly hold an a plus rating with a better business bureau
1: call wesley financial group now for your free consultation at 800-786-9300 that's 800-786-9300 800-786-9300
9: do you need to catch up on your life savings and investments? Do you know that right now we are very likely in the first year of a new bull market? William O'Neill, editor of the Investor's Business Daily and author of many great stock trading books, has said that the most money is made in the first year of a new bull market. My family has believed this and experienced it for many generations. I'm David Mitchell, founder and CEO of Tradeway. I've taught our family methods of stock trading and investing in most of the major cities around the nation for many years, with the goal of having many of our clients trade for a living. You don't have to do that unless you want to fire your boss. But wouldn't it be great to take the confusing world of investing and find it understandable, even simple and fun? That is what can happen when you attend a tradeway event called Step 1, Start Your Journey. You'll learn how the stock market works, how to spot patterns, how to know when to buy and sell a stock, how to even know how to pick your own stocks, and when it might be better to stay in cash. You'll leave the event more confident in your family's financial future and secure in Tradeway's ability to support you along the way. You can bring your entire family for only $99.95. Plus, you'll receive an extra ticket to bring a friend. And at the end of the two days, if you don't love it, you can get your money back. doesn't get better than that. So come take your first step to financial freedom and
1: attend our live two-day event called Step 1, Start Your Journey. Coming to the Sheraton Bloomington, January 26th and 27th. Only $99.95 for your entire household, plus a free ticket for a friend and a full money-back guarantee. To register, call 877-907-TRADE. That's 877-907-8723. Or go to Tradeway.com. That's Tradeway.com.
6: Welcome back, boom, boom, boom. King Banyan Show. This is fourteen forty. Outstanding. Hey, let's uh let's do a little uh a, a little business here. First of all, Terry Jarrett, you know they write to us. We don't we don't normally reach out to Terry, but we should. Uh, there are times where where it's just so helpful to get that clarity from him on what we mean when we say, you know, nobody's nobody's against, you know, no one's saying take down all the wind turbines. You know, once they're up, those costs are sunk, and if they can generate energy without any additional costs, that's fine. Um, we can use it when, when we can. But when it's cold outside and and the wind's not blowing and the sun's low in the sky and you can't generate a lot of solar from it, you probably want to have some non-renewable sources around um, and uh, I may need to speak some more about that later but first let me uh let me uh note a couple things first of all uh just wanted to remind just to let you know i think I think we're allowed to talk about this um the Salem, the Salem uh, business radio station of the year is Business fourteen forty. Hey, folks! Thank you. Thank you for listening to us on this sh- on this station. Thank you for supporting our advertisers, because when you support our advertisers, our advertisers support us. And when our advertisers support us, and our listenership goes up, and your use of the Use of the the streams at uh, TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com dot com goes up. People notice, and you are being noticed for your support of this station and for this show. And I cannot thank you enough. It is it is something that I do as a labor of love, as everybody knows. Once in a while, I get to talk about things like Winter Institute, and, and which which are a value to me personally. But but for the most part. You are my you are my classroom when I don't have a classroom. Working as a dean, um, I don't get to teach much anymore. I wish I could, uh, but it, it's it, it's complicated. The reasons why I don't get to do it, but uh, I don't get to do it much anymore. And you're the substitute for that. And thank you for that opportunity. So, uh, Nick Anderson, the general manager uh, of uh, of uh, of Salem Twin Cities. Um, received an award for us uh, as uh, KYCR Business 1440 is the business station of the year in the Salem media empire, and there are a number of business stations around there. I was surprised when I learned how many there are. So first of all, woohoo! Thanks, thank you so much for for what you do for us. I'm just I'm just proud as heck of the fact that uh, I, I think we got to contribute a little bit to that. I, I appreciate that very much. Secondly, just, a, just also a quick reminder of the uh, – I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't think we got it in the, into the uh, show last week, but the second annual Crisis and Security Summit. If you're interested in energy as a security issue, you should really be interested in this Crisis and Security Summit. It is happening this Wednesday. January twenty fourth, from eight thirty to noon at the Double Tree um, in Minneapolis on on uh, Normandale Boulevard. Um, so, it's seventeen hundred Normandale, so that's right. I am I right? That's right off four ninety four Bloomington. That yep, one? in Bloomington. Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, it's worth going to. You've got uh, folks uh, talking about tech security preparedness, active shooter scenarios. I have actually received active shooter training. You know, what to do if there's an active shooter on campus. It, I learned a lot. You think you know things and you don't know things. And having someone with expertise that gets you to think about, okay, what happens in that situation? I actually run through your head one time so that you're not trying to solve everything in a moment of panic. You've actually thought through, okay, if that happens, God forbid, but if that happens, this is what I'm supposed to do. It really, it really is helpful. There's only about a couple dozen seats to this thing left. All right, so there isn't much space. Um, can I'm looking at the website right now, and there's a free, there's a free ticket for registration that is available to you. You can click on that right now. Just go to TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com and you'll see the Crisis and Security Summit there from the homepage. If you don't see it, click on Events. You'll see it there. Go and learn. It's it's well it's well worth your time. And then, lastly, I want to give a plug to my uh, my super good friend, my super good friend uh, Kim Crockett, who's going to be on Americans for Prosperity radio over on our sister station AM twelve eighty The Patriot at four p.m. today, talking about Janus versus AFSCME, which is a very important case concerning public employee unions. And I think this is a very important point. Excuse me. Sorry, my throat just went completely dry there for a second. <coughs> and uh and I, I've been thinking about this, you know, this story in in a number of ways over the last um few moments. And um uh, and I've been thinking about this for quite a bit. You think about how much it costs to build the New York subway. You remember when we did that story? Did you realize that New York City has more public employee union members than Paris? You would think France is supposed to be the you know the home of unionism, you know, sécurité, fraternité, right? All of that, but no. New York City has more. That is in no small part because we kind of are enthralled to the public employee unions, and there might be a case coming that might put a big dent in that. Go listen at 4 p.m. today. Jason Flores, the host of Americans for Prosperity Radio, uh, having Kim Crockett in to, to talk about this. It'll be a good show. You should listen to that as well hey it's six five one two eight nine four four seven seven i've got mark in Golden Valley mark good morning and welcome to the King Daniel show
8: hey King uh, great energy discussion so, something I've always wondered about is how do economists know like like I've read about how clean coal works I mean they don't just scrub it they use less coal it's, it's really remarkable yeah. and, and it just my question is how do economists know that it's better to force all, you know, all this upheaval in the coal industry and all these wind turbines and all this stuff, they do all that central planning when we could have done this maybe a little slower with clean coal just because if clean coal is cheaper and dependable and causes less upheaval, how do they know how do they know that the how that increases prosperity isn't better than the the health problems it causes.
6: I mean, how do they know well, that? They they don't. I mean, th- there was just a study I saw this week, and I don't have it in front of me, so this is just from memory, Mark. But I saw something that came out recently where originally, when they were talking about you know how much when it would would global temperatures rise, and the answer was somewhere between one and a half and four and a half degrees centigrade. And and my thought was, that's a pretty big range. My reaction and my decision about how to invest and how to how to, you know I don't believe necessarily in monkeying around with with prices anyway. That's what I was saying with Terry, but but in general, if I decided all right, I do want to intervene. My intervention for one and a half degree centigrade change over the next century is very different from four and a half, and if I don't really know. Where in the number that is, that's going to cause quite a difference. So, this week they've come out with something. They say they think they've narrowed the range, and the range now is like two point two to three point five, and 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 to which I say, okay. So all that stuff that we might have done to say, well, if it is four and a half, then that's going to be really really bad. So we have to do all this this heavy handed stuff. Well, it turns out it turns out that wasn't true, and so. You know, I think this is all based on, Mark, that precautionary principle that it might be four and a half, so we have to do all these things, and if it turns out it isn't four and a half, well, it was good for us anyway.
8: Well, the thing that that gets me is there's other more dependable things they could do. They could switch to um, on the airlines, which are the worst for carbon and pollution, except for maybe the nature of coal, but... They switch to GPS guidance. That they know that that'll save tons of fuel. And then the other thing is, the, I don't know why they haven't built a model compact thorium nuke yet. I mean, that will solve all all kinds of problems. You know, I, But they no. Instead of that, they central plan all this other stuff. That's that's just, you know, it's got a romantic thing in their head. You know, I don't know.
6: I think it's well. It part, it may be romantic. I think it's simply that that we must we must do whatever we can to prevent prevent the worst possible outcome. I understand that, but my questions. I i the sign on my door. It's the only sign I still have on my door. You know how faculty will always have all these signs. You know, you know, uh, uh, to support this right. cause or that cause. Right. Mine simply says applied economics in ten words. At what cost? Compared to what? How do you know? Three simple questions: yeah. At what cost? Compared to what? And how do you know? And and I, I don't think I don't think that those people that support this precautionary approach to environmental policy have taken those ten words to heart. Hey, Mark, yeah. thanks so very much for your question today. I got to go away to a break. We'll be back with our final segment of the King Banyan show here on Business fourteen forty.
1: Business 1440 is KYCR, Golden Valley.
3: Your child's education is one of the most important decisions you can make as a parent. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. A quality Christian education can make all the difference in your child's life. A Christian school typically provides smaller class sizes for your student to flourish. Smaller class sizes can allow for more one-on-one time, allowing for individual attention with each student to focus on their academic needs, helping your child succeed. Business 1440 believes in the power of Christian education so much that we've partnered with private Christian schools in the Twin Cities to offer half off your child's first year at a brand new school. That's right, half off. Visit TwinCitiesTuitions.com to check out a full list of our partnering schools, see frequently asked questions about the program, and learn more. We have a limited number of vouchers available, so the time is now to start planning for the upcoming year. Visit TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Take a moment and rate your lifestyle on a scale of one to ten. One is a life that's nothing like the life you were promised after getting good grades, a college degree, and a good job in corporate America. Ten is the life of your dreams. If you answered anything less than a ten, tune into the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell, self made millionaire and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, will show you how to live the life of your dreams and pay for it with passive income.
1: Listen to the Dell Wamsley Show, weekday mornings at eleven, here on Business 1440.
5: Del- My dad says I'm his pride and joy. My mommy says I was her big surprise.
9: Pro Life Across America is educational, non political, and tax deductible. Please help
5: support our life saving outreach. A baby's heart is being 18 days from conception. Pro Life Across America, the Billboard People.
3: Let's face it, life can get busy. Between work, trips to the cabin on the weekends, keeping your eye on the markets, with everything going on, convenience usually comes at a premium. But Business 1440 is here to make things a bit easier. With the iHeartRadio app, you can stream your favorite shows anytime, anywhere, and it's free. Download iHeartRadio from the App Store or listen online at iHeartRadio.com and stay connected with your best financial partner wherever you go. Business 1440.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the golden age
4: of rock and roll.
6: welcome back King being show business 1440 final segment for today thank you for thank you for your patience with my my um, my uh, challenged throat today um, you can you from time to time you can hear you can hear uh, some glitches but uh, we're motoring through um, I mean if the government if the government shuts down, the the radio show must go on, right? I guess. Indeed, I was fascinated by this this letter um, sent by the acting director of the uh, of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, the CFPB, which was created by Dodd Frank. And one of the, and, and this is just a fascinating letter. Uh, currently, the CFPB is under the is under an acting director, Mick Mulvaney, who is also the director. Of the Office of Management and Budget, and under Dodd Frank, the CFPB gets its budget not from not from the um, from the federal government directly, but gets their budget by a request to the Federal Reserve Bank. Okay, they ask the system. Uh, for money, and 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 he writes in the very first paragraph, section one, section ten seventeen, a one, of the Consumer Financial Protection Act. Dodd Frank requires the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System to transfer to the Bureau of Consumer Financial Protection a quarterly sum, quote, determined by the director to be reasonably necessary to carry out the authorities of the Bureau. Under the federal government consumer financial law, taking into account other, such other sums made available to the Bureau from the preceding year or quarter of such year, unquote. In other words, this Bureau gets its money by asking the Fed for its cash, and it gets to have whatever the director says, yeah, this would be reasonable. The next paragraph is is wonderful. This letter is to inform you that for second quarter of fiscal year 2018, the Bureau is requesting zero dollars. Yeah, it's not a misprint. You heard that right. The director is asking for no money. Continuing, the reason for for this is straightforward. I am informed that during the projected second quarter, expenses for the Bureau are are approximately $145 million dollars. During my review of the financial condition of the Bureau, I learned that as of the beginning of the fiscal year, 2018, the Bureau had a balance in its Bureau fund at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York in the amount of $177.1 million. As the Act directs me to take into account the unobligated 2017 balance brought forward by the Bureau into 2018, all of which remains available in the Bureau fund, I have determined that no additional funds are necessary to carry out the authorities of the Bureau for the second quarter. Simply put, I've been assured that the funds carried currently in the Bureau Fund are sufficient for the Bureau to carry out its statutory mandates for the next fiscal quarter while striving to be efficient, effective, and accountable. So guess what? He doesn't have to worry about a shutdown. He can continue his work. And B, he was sitting, the previous person, Richard Cordray, and remember this, please, because Richard Cordray is running for the Democrat nomination for governor of Ohio. Mr. Cordray left a slush fund of $177 million behind. And Mr. Mulvaney has said, I don't need that slush fund. I don't need that slush fund. I'll just spend it down. He says, he, all right, now you might wonder, where does the mon- where does the Federal Reserve get this money to give to to give to the CFPB, and the answer is through their open market operations, the Federal Reserve gets earns money it uses it to pay its own expenses and it pays the remainder it pays its its excess earnings back to the Treasury to help reduce the deficit. This is noted by Mr. Mulvaney. finally, as net earnings of the Federal Reserve System are periodically remitted to the Treasury, this request or lack thereof, will serve to reduce the federal deficit by the amount that the Bureau might have requested under different leadership. While this approximately $145 million might not make much of a dent in the deficit, the men and women at the Bureau are proud to do their part, to be responsible stewards of taxpayer dollars. Rock on, Mike Mulvaney. Rock on. You are the kind of person we need in work in the federal government. I... I can't tell you how much this tickled me He found $177 million Sitting in an account Says we don't need a slush fund We don't need any of that We're going to remove that Government shouldn't have the automatic Ability to continue on And it doesn't Folks have shutdowns uh, From time to time And it's just fine Oh I love this music We'll be hearing it again pretty soon here on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440 where there are no backstabbers.
2: Relief Factor is made from high-quality fish oil and essential nutrients. Gives your body the help it needs to aid fighting recurring aches and pains. When life's aches and pains get you down, you need relief. Go to www.relieffactor.com, that's relieffactor.com, or call 800 that's 800 This remarkable product is called Relief Factor, relieffactor.com.
1: Tune in and turn it up, because Think Realty Radio with Obi Golhart is here for you. Every weekday, Obi informs listeners around the country on everything real estate, market news, investment methods, and most importantly, succeeding in the business. Obi shares his strategies with listeners every show. Don't miss out. The tip that could help you the most might be on the next show. Get into a real estate of mind with Think Realty Radio. Weekday afternoons at 2 on Business 1440, Twin Cities Business Radio.
4: Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com.
5: If you're young and healthy, you don't need life insurance, right? Yeah, that's what I used to think, too, until my brother died at 38. Joe left his wife with two kids, a mortgage, and a stack of bills she couldn't pay. Mary had to sell the house and move everybody into this tiny two-bedroom apartment just to make ends meet. I never want to do that to my wife. So I got life insurance. I called AIG Direct and was really surprised how affordable it is. Just $14 a month for $250,000 of term life coverage. Listen, if you have a family, you should seriously think about getting life insurance. You'll feel a lot better having it. Trust me.
0: Call AIG Direct for a free, no-obligation quote. The call takes less than five minutes, and you could save up to 70%. Call now, 1-800-981-0472. That's 1-800-981-0472. 1-800-981-0472.
3: After my father passed away, I had to learn the hard way about managing money. Make sure your investments are safe with an education you can trust. At Online Trading Academy, we want you to protect your money and create a second income. Hi, this is Marty Young. Join us for a free investing class by dialing pound 250 on your cell phone and use keyword OTA. Again, pound 250 on your cell phone, keyword OTA. Or go to learnwithota.com